Before you have your seat, just wave at people around you. I know we can't greet and hug, but wave somebody. Let them see your smile through that mask you're wearing right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated in your place. Praise the Lord. I want to thank you for making your way to worship with us today, on this Sunday. And I, I really pray that this would not just be another commitment on your calendar, but rather we can come into the house of the Lord and worship as we're doing today in full expectation that God will respond from, from heaven and meet our needs. I, I love it. God doesn't get confused because my need might be different than yours and yours different than me. But God, because he's omniscient, he knows all things. He's able to keep up with all of that and supply your need according. He'll bless you. He'll, according to your situation, he will respond. And we're so grateful to that kind of God that we serve, a God that is attentive to you, a God that, is, that knows your journey, knows your future as well, and will always come around us to bolster us and move us forward. Church has been a, a tough time the last, uh, going on four months now, that we've been journeying through this um, COVID-19, and it seems like the whole world is upside down. Every area of our life has been affected, every single area. If you're a parent, you keep being troubled about what's going to happen in September when schools start again. If you have a, a senior parent or family member that you take care of, you're worried about the nursing homes and what goes on and those that aren't in nursing homes and in senior centers. You're concerned about what's going to happen with them. In fact, even with us, the moment you get a sniffle right away, you start thinking things you shouldn't be thinking that's go that are going to happen to you because we're surrounded. You can't bank the way you used to. You can't buy groceries the way you used to buy groceries. You can't even catch an attitude with somebody like you used to do because easily you'll get arrested for something. And it's, it's, it's horrible. It really is. Uh, you know, we see our precious police department that so many of them serve us with such distinction I really mean that. There's a few in there that know, but so many of them. And they re you could see how they have to restrain so much, even in the mo moment of this craziness. You can't find parking, not that you could find before, a decent place to eat. Like, you, you should eat at home for now. Um, it's just our world is turned upside down. You can't do what you used to do. You know, it's just amazing to me. Um, a place is closing down and affecting the church. Look at us today with our masks on. I'm, I'm only allowed not to wear one when I'm on the microphone. And we can't greet each other the way we used to. And for, uh, for this church in particular, it's so difficult because we're so used to the embrace. And we have to go, you know, get by with this for now, for now. Uh, so it's been affecting every area. And I can go on and I don't, I'm not here to make you depressed or anything. I'm just here to tell you that, you know, you have family members that have been touched by this disease. And some of you here, even at some point in the last few months, you gone back for testing and have been hospitalized and all of that. You've made it through. You've made it through. Amen. God has been faithful, faithful. But you have to admit with me that we're not the same as we were back in January. It's a little bit different now. We look at life and the perspective of our future from a much different light today. And we wonder here in New York in particular how we were able to go from such a horrible situation of this uh, uh, COVID-19 to now being in a very good position but now we're seeing the, other, the rest of the, of the nation crumbling, really, uh, to this uh, disease. And who would have thought that something you can't even see with your naked eye, you can't even see it, it's just a creating havoc for everyone. And I believe that, you know, right now I listen to the scientists and what they're telling us, and they're telling us to get prepared for the next wave that's going to happen. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that the next wave is not going to be 
really the virus hitting us again. I believe that the next wave that's going to happen is exactly what happened when we as a church were leading the way during 9-11. Studies have proven before 9-11, after 9-11, and surely during this time period that uh, 12 weeks out or so, so we're about there, right, three or four months out, all of a sudden people suffer these emotional traumas that kind of paralyze us. And you know what goes on is that oftentimes just because we look good on the outside doesn't mean that everything is okay on the inside. Just because people say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I made it through, I didn't, you know, I'm fine, I tested negative, I don't have to worry, you know, I'm, I'm out of the hospital now. That does not mean that deep down inside there's still stuff that's not resolved. In fact, I read an article this morning that confirms what we have known for a while is that although you are now you're no longer sick that way, some of the symptoms and residual stuff still stays in your system for a long time. But I want to talk about the physical condition. I want to talk about what studies have proven and we're really starting to face now. And that's the internal turmoil in your emotional well-being that really comes to light with fear. It's fear of what's going to happen that sometimes stifles us and paralyzes us from moving forward. So I've titled the sermon today, Wisdom for Conquering Fear. Wisdom for... And just follow me for the next few moments as we unpack this. And Paul, used, of the, as the Holy Spirit, uh, used by the Holy Spirit, writes to Timothy, one of his mentees. And it's interesting because in biblical interpretation, when you look at the word Timothy, it doesn't apply today if this is your name, but in biblical interpretation uh, uh, of the time, the word Timothy meant double timid. Someone who was not just shy, but double shy. And Paul, who was obviously a very aggressive leader, had in divine, through divine sovereignty pointed the finger at Timothy to lead a thriving congregation in Ephesus. Not a small task, not an insignificant task, but a significant, very important task in the emerging of the church during that time. And he selects Timothy, who was by name and by temperament double timid. God is in the habit of calling people that are emotionally unqualified to be able to lead. And we see that example there in, in, uh, in Paul's selection, led by the Holy Spirit, that he selects not the alpha male a1 personality, but he selects someone to run this church, run this thriving ministry, who by all estimations, if a firecracker went off, there weren't firecrackers back. Oh, yeah, actually, there were firecrackers back there. It would startle him and his heart would stop, stop, would, would stop. Timothy, visually unqualified, now all of a sudden is leading this thriving ministry. But what happened, Paul was able to select him because Paul had committed to walk alongside him and be his mentor throughout his uh, ministry life. And so Timothy is there, but he's not really alone, but he's facing challenges. And Paul knew that he was going to face criticism, that he was going to face backstabbing. Is there an amen in the house? He was going to uh, face people that were going to talk about him and question his every move. And his cycles of being uh, strong and being timid and being well and being unwell, he knew, Paul knew that his mentee, was going to suffer these moments when fear was going to be his companion. And moved under that premise of leadership and dedication to emerging leaders, he writes what's today known as the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, simply 
a leadership manual that allows Paul to share leadership nuggets. And if you're into leadership, you may want to study that from that perspective. And in this particular passage that I've selected for today's preaching on wisdom for conquering fear, look at what he tells him in 2 Timothy first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. <clears throat> he tells Timothy, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. He's telling Timothy, remember, the people may be coming against you. You may have not preached well the last time. You may not have led well the last time. Yeah, that family that you took care of and you, and you blessed and you helped them, all of a sudden they all turned around on you for something you had nothing to do with. But Timothy, don't be filled with fear because fear does not come from God. Be filled with power, love, and a sound mind. In fact, when we look at it, there are personality temperaments that are, not, that, that are acquired and are not given by God. We often say, God made me this way. But I want to tell you today that sometimes God did not make you the way that you are. Oftentimes, we are really just playing out the temperament that we have acquired because of family history, because of mistakes we've made along the way, or because we have bad friends that lead us down the incredibly horrible paths. Yes, certainly fear is not, is not one of those temperaments that we have acquired. In fact, if we look, we have acquired sarcasm is a temperament. Negativity is a temperament. I know that we're not good. And as I go through the list, there will be less amens. Pride is a temperament. Low self-esteem is a temperament. Overwhelming guilt. Vengeance, trying to get even. In fact, elitism is also thinking you're better than someone else. Victimization, making other people victims or yourselves victims. That's also a temperament that doesn't come from God. Ready for this next one? I hope you have your seatbelt on. Racism is a temperament that doesn't come from God. It's actually a temperament that comes from the powers of darkness. Materialism is also not a temperament that comes from God. Because if God owns everything and I am a co-heir uh, with Christ... Uh, and I'm a co-heir with Christ, then what happens, I have a right to the kingdom of God. That means that I don't have to be worried about what I'm going to get because I already have everything because I have everything in God. Say an amen if you can. Can you say an amen if you can? These kinds of temperament that we find here that he's talking about, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if you're overwhelmed by fear, that is not something you got from God. You got it from someone else. In fact, I believe oftentimes there is also a contamination when you, when you hang out with people that are always negative, always fearful, always scheming, always talking about people, always trying to get over those things. Come on, you can say amen if you can. If you're going to clap, clap like you mean it. Hallelujah. I'm only getting started here. Uh, please make no mistake, temperament is a fear. I mean, fear is a temperament, and it does not come from God. Look at the text. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So your question has to be, if God didn't send it, if God didn't give it, then how did I get it? Come on, hallelujah. 
Let me submit to you today that because it is a spirit and it does not come from God, it definitely comes from the spiritual world, but not good spirits. It comes from demonic spirits. In fact, we have to understand today that the spirit of fear comes from the pit of hell, from the very caves of darkness. And unless we develop a wisdom, we will never be able to conquer it. It will conquer us. Hallelujah. You still haven't been totally convinced yet. Please make no mistake. It comes from the powers of darkness. Powers of darkness that are bent on destroying you, your family, your potential, and your future. What the powers of darkness want to do is to paralyze you. So you'll never be able to get back up when you fall. Because we all fall, but you need to get back up. When we go through situations where we feel we cannot make it or we don't want to face today. See, because if you don't manage fear, you'll get clinically depressed. You'll be dependent upon medication. In fact, you'll have other destructive thoughts and ideas in your mind about yourself and others simply because it does not come from God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. It comes from the powers of darkness. And you allowed it, you and I, we allow it to overtake us. See, it's one thing to have a thought, listen to me, one thing to have a thought enter your mind, and it's another thing to give it life in your mind. You have two ears, let it come in here and get out here. Don't let it stay in your mind. Because if you let it stay in your mind and your heart, it's going to destroy you, your loved ones, and your future will be truncated. You won't be able to achieve those things that God gave you potential to achieve. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes, it's trying times. And fear can start taking over. In fact, sometimes we say, well, pastor, you're not really talking about me because I don't have fear. Come on. You get ready to go on an airplane, the safest mode of transportation in the world. And right away, you got to get something to tranquilize you. I won't say what that something is. I hope that something still honors God. But you got you to do something. Because what happens, you freak out in the plane. And you know what happens? And I'm going to define fear in a moment. We imagine the worst. We have to fly because we have to end up flying. And then we get in the plane. And what we see in our head is not a soft, beautiful landing on a place where the sun is shining. And the beaches are white. Uh, the sand is, is white. And the palm trees are flowing. We see ourselves 55,000 feet in the air. And the plane crashing into the Atlantic Ocean. Some of you are already hyperventilating. I see you going. <gasps> and I'm just talking about it. We get a cough. And right away, this is it. It's Corona. It's Corona, 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 Corona. We want to go talk to the funeral director and start making arrangements because it's Corona. You say no because, see, on the outside, we look good. But on the inside, there's a little girl and a little boy that's screaming out because I'm afraid. Don't turn off the lights. You see stuff in the curtains. Monsters, come on, you remember when you were growing up, and even some of you adults here got to sleep with the light on. Come on, you're 35 years old. Fear. And we need to talk about it now. We need to talk about it now. And if you look at the verse, it says God has not given it. So it's not from God, and it's definitely a spirit from demonic forces. But I want you to notice with me in the text. It's showing us clearly that fear has a powerful force of destroying you, your family, and your future. Amen? It's a powerful dark po power of darkness. But look, it says here so clearly that it is so powerful 
that the only way to counter fear in your life, in your journey, is you have to take three vaccinations. Fear is a spirit that does not come from God. And the text tells us that God has not given us fear, but what he has given us is three vaccinations in order to counter fear. It is so powerful that you need to take three things in order to counter that one thing. See, what happens is you think you can handle it with one thing. You think you can care. Well, let's pray. Yes, pray definitely. Or, or let me just ask people to forgive me and I'll forgive. You think you have one solution. No. The Bible saying very clearly, God speaking through Paul, to, through Timothy, fear is going to destroy you, destroy the work that you're doing, destroy your family. It is a spiritual thing that comes from the powers of darkness. And the only way to counter it, here's a prescription for three vaccinations. And you know what happens to us? When you get some kind of medication from a doctor, we do this, or so many people do this. You go there and you, it tell, the doctor tells you, take it three times a day for 10 days. 10 days. 10 days. So you take it the first day, second day, third day. You're feeling better. And you say, ah, I don't need it. And you flush it. Fourth day, you feel sick, actually worse than you did when you, you should have just taken it for 10 days. We're always looking for shortcuts. We're always looking for getting over in every area of our lives. Now, if you're like me, I don't like medication either. But when the doctor says something, you need to do that. Rest. Drink plenty of liquid. Stay away from the sun. I, I always marvel. Some people came into our church today, and you've seen people. They're so brown. I know. And uh, those of you that are watching me right now on Archer Beach. You know if you don't put covering, right, you're going to burn. What? Because it's a spirit. That comes from the pit of hell. And we think we have this thing as everybody else but not me. Yes, you. That's why we wear masks. That's why we're careful. You need to realize that the only way to counter the spirit of fear is three doses of, an anti, of a vaccination. And those are the dosage and vaccination of power, love, and a sound mind. What is fear? Let me define it. Fear is that emotional response that we have inside of us that is really induced or produced inside of us by something real or imagined. And we feel threatened by that image that we've put up in our mind that might not necessarily be real. Because that's what fear does. And it causes us to act differently, behave differently, simply because we've imagined. You're walking down the street... And it's dark, and right away you're thinking, so, and you're going to say no because, you know, it's Sunday, and you want to appear so powerful. Lights are off. You're walking on the street. Nobody's around. And you're expecting, and you're not expecting a person. You're expecting a monster to run out and get you and catch you and kill you and devour you, just like you saw with, you know, Pac-Man. Now, you won't say that, but deep down inside in life and in the world, You'll encounter situations like that that will paralyze your future because of fear. Real or imagined. It's the plane falling out of the sky because you're in it. Imagine. It's not going. Could it happen? Yeah. The likelihood of it happening. You're more likely to be having a situation with Uber or Lyft or whoever you take than an airplane. We worry with things, we make up things in our minds and then we believe, I'm not going to greet them because they look like they don't like me. They might not like you. 
But how can you make an assumption? I can draw a conclusion that they don't like you because of the way they looked or did not look at you. Because it's in our mind. It's, it's in the mind. That's why we need to get wisdom for conquering that fear. And fear changes us uh, physiologically. It changes our behavior. We act in ways that we... You've seen Karen on, on the news. Karen. You've seen Karen on the news. She perceives a threat. And, and people will say, but that's not like her. She just like lost it there for a moment. It is fear inside. And you know, Karen is a caricature now that denotes a person that's behaving in a way that's socially unacceptable. Let me put it that way. That's the way I'm going to mop it up. And they call her Karen, right? If your name is Karen, that isn't you. That's just a... But she's acting because she thought that she was being threatened. Although she may not. And then when you, if you've seen those things, because I look at them because I like to analyze people, uh, you know, humanity helps me become a better person, right? And the stuff that they get upset about is nothing. A parking space? You're going to have an argument with somebody over a parking space? Come on. Because physiologically we change. We become these monsters because fear inside of us transformed us even on perceived things. Our behaviors change. In fact, fear, if left unmanaged, can paralyze you, cause phobias, excessive worrying, feelings of anxiety. In fact, I read an article recently in pre preparation for this uh, that it says, and it was a, a thing on mental health or wellness, and the author proposes the following idea. He says that unmanaged fear actually causes more fear. It's a snowballing effect. So if you don't arrest it right away, you're going to be almost paranoid of everyone. Not all men are like that. Not all women are like that. But yet we continue not to address it, not to neutralize its power over our lives. And then what happens? That in itself increases fear through a snowball effect. Fear in the Bible can be looked at two separate ways. You'll see in the Bible oftentimes you'll say, fear God. Now that there, if you look in the original, it's really talking about having this deep, passionate reverence toward God. It's a sense of awe and wonder at the majesty of God. We call it fear because the English language is not capable to transmit to us what the original intent of the author is and certainly not able to uh, translate the mind of God. We're reading it in English, but God doesn't just speak English. Okay? So the word is fear, but when you look at it closely, it really is about this awe and reverence. You ever been in the time of worship and you stand in awe before God? You can't even speak. You, can't, you almost feel like you want to just fall to the ground because of God is, is so amazing. That's fear, reverence of God. There's not running away from God. It's this awe, this sense of awesomeness at the majesty of God. That's fear. But also fear is a dark spirit not sent from the Lord that is out to destroy you. That's being afraid. That paralyzes you. That's negative. Reverence is positive. Fear in the natural is negative and destructive. But let me give you the three powerful neutralizers for combating this fear in our lives. Let me give you the three vaccinations, and you have to take them all. You can't just take one. You can't pick and choose. You have to take them all because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Power. Power means the ability to supernaturally achieve something that is naturally not possible. I know if I went around the room, everyone has a power testimony that you didn't know how you got that job, but God somehow worked it. You don't know how you got that house, but somehow God worked it. You don't know how you made it. All your friends have dead and gone, and here you are alive, and you did and acted the same way they did back 25 years ago, and for some reason, power. Power that is talking about here supernaturally is telling that mountain to move. 
in the natural doesn't make sense. It's actually ridiculous. But when you believe it and you believe that God can, it gives you this supernatural ability. Power is that, that supernatural ability of Peter walking on water. Power is that supernatural prayer that Joshua made and the whole universe stood still. Power of God is, is, is when you see the, the, in, the, in the testimonies of the, of the Lord and in the Gospels, the dead rising and, and things that in the natural don't make sense. But happened. Anybody seen those miracles in your life? I know I'm a living miracle. Shouldn't have gotten what I gotten, but I got it because God is just gracious. Power of God. In fact, the Bible is very clear when it comes to this vaccination called power. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And listen to the second part of this verse, Luke 10, 19. And over all the power of the enemy. Say all the power of the enemy with me. You, no, but you need to say it with power. Over all the power of the enemy. The enemy is powerful. He's ruthless. He can do things that don't think you can come against the enemy. I always marvel at the comparative here. Moses was the friend of God. Moses was close to God. But the enemy got into his life so much that he was not able to enter the promised land because he struck the rock rather than talked to it. So don't tell me you're going to face up to Satan and the powers of darkness. They are powerful, but greater is he. Hallelujah. Yes, he's powerful. Alone, you can't beat him. This sickness alone, you can't beat it. You can wear a mask here, 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 here. But you got to trust God that he's going to see you through. Hallelujah. Because it says here very clearly, over all power. Say all power. All power. And God has given us. So here he says God has not given you. In 2 Timothy, we know what he has not given you. Luke now, Dr. Luke is saying, but behold, I give you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to take what God gave me. I don't want to take what society, culture, and people, and friends gave me. I want what God gives me. Come on. He's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy. And look at this. It says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's the Lord speaking there. But nothing. Listen, don't be fearful. Trust the Lord. I will refuse to wake up in the morning afraid. I refuse. I, make, I, I have a healthy way of keeping my mind balanced. It wasn't always that way, but I'm able to do it now. <laughs> you need to make sure you wake up with the right perspective. Don't wake up saying, this is it. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day. This is the day. Listen, that's not living. That's not even barely surviving. I'm going to go to work, but I, we told her that she has to. But if she, oh, they make you wash the hands and the, oh, but somehow, some way, I'm going to touch something. I'm going to get in the subway and can't live that way. In fact, don't come in here living that way. Come here the other way because that's contagious. Hallelujah. Yes, we wear the mask. Yes, we're careful. Yes, we greet you like that for now, but we're not afraid of you. No. We got to be careful, church. We have to realize that we cannot live a life in negativity and fearful of everything that's going around. God, take care of yourself. Do the right thing. But at the end of the day, God has given you power over the enemy. Nothing, of, nothing that will harm you is going to get to you because God is going to protect you. I really believe that. Look at the second part on power because it's that supernatural ability. Mark 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, whatever you shall bind on earth 
My wife and I made a prayer. In my apartment, coronavirus is not allowed. I know I did it personally. There's a, there's a bloodline in our door. In fact, outside of the doorpost of our home, there's a, a red tape that we put signifying the blood of Jesus. You ain't coming into my house. You say, that's crazy. We're not sick. Been tested twice already. Are you saying, say, follow yours, whatever you, but I know what is allowed in my house. And there are times in our home, you know, sometimes in your home you, you perceive that the spirit is kind of changing the atmosphere in the home. It isn't cancel Verizon and go on to something else. Sometimes you got to stop. And we've been giving out these little things with oil for the last few weeks. You need to pray over your home. Clean it up. Say, not here. Not in this home. And let me tell you something else. When you discover something in your home that you didn't put there, parents, you know what I'm talking about? You get it out. Get it out. When they pay rent, they can have whatever they want in the house. But while you're paying rent, Yeah, but they're adults. Adults do crazy things. You throw it out, and then you pray over your home again. I believe in read that. This place, before we opened up for public worship, pastors came in with me that Saturday, and we prayed over this place all over again. Prayed over it. What makes this place holy and, and a place for the presence of the Lord to dwell is when the congregation comes into this building. It changes it from a building to a place of worship. That's what happened this morning when we walked in. And we need to realize that whatever you bind, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. We have that power. Say power with me. Power. In fact, the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness is a fascinating story in many ways. And it says in the Bible that the Lord was able to conquer the temptations that the enemy brought to him by quoting scripture. The devil uh, quoted scripture to him and then Jesus through the word was able to counterattack. It says at the end of the story, if you read that story, that now he conquered. The devil was not able to get away, get away from me, Satan, and he had to leave. Jesus was still in the wilderness. The Bible says that now Jesus had won the battle. And you know that when you win a battle, sometimes you're left battle weary. You may go into the battle looking like a conqueror, but oftentimes we win and we come out on the other side, but we don't look like a conqueror. And it says in the story of Jesus battling the temptations in the wilderness that at the end he had won, the enemy had gone, he wasn't able to make Jesus do whatever he wanted. Amen? But then Jesus was so worn that angels came from heaven to minister strength to him. And it says in the text, you look at it later on, it says in the text that the power, say power with me, that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him to refresh him. So maybe today you're weary from your battle. You're weary from your situation. You don't think you can make it through, but I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is here today. Hallelujah. And he wants to give you a real powerful vaccination to help you make it through. You don't even think you can stand up, you can move forward. You don't even have a number of the Bible verse to throw out into the sky, into the atmosphere, to change the atmosphere. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and refresh you and renew you so that you can not walk, so that you can run toward your victory. Come on, put your hands together and praise the Lord. Come back Holy Spirit. Come back Holy Spirit. Come back Holy Spirit. Come back Holy Spirit. Come back power of the Holy Ghost. First vaccination is power. Second vaccination is love. Let me define that because right away we think love, we think Hallmark. Flowers. No, 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 no. Remember, Paul is writing, and let's go back to the intent here. Paul is writing 
mentor, knows a lot, and he's pouring into now Timothy, double timid, trying to encourage him. So we have to make the assumption that Timothy knew God. Timothy also understood, because he was over a, a vast ministry, he had to have taught at some point about agape and, and philios and, and love. He had to, especially in that environment. So we make the assumption right away that it is that. No, 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 no. What Paul is, in my opinion, telling Timothy right now, you need to know God. The Bible is very clear, particularly in the Old Testament. Look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of John, the epistles of love. And it shows there something very fascinating. I'll give you a quick, real quick, and then another teaching will go into more depth. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of, of the, the epistles of John, he's writing... What he does, he takes God and he equates it to love. He creates a mathematical equation with an equal sign in the, in the middle. So on one side of the mathematical equation is God, and on the other side of the mathematical equation is love. So the, John is telling his audience that God is love. But as you know, those of you that are gifted in the area of mathematics, if you invert around the equal sign, if you invert the equa equation, the properties on both sides of the uh, uh, equal sign become the same. So you can say, is that, is that right? I mean, I'm not strong in math, but some of you are not. That means either I'm right or I'm crazy. I don't know which one you're saying. I'm not, getting, I'm not reading you right now. So the equal sign is in the center, right? And whatever is on the right of it is God, and whatever is on the other side is love. So if you invert the whole thing over, this is real basic math. You invert it, then what it's saying is that love equals God, and God equals love. And you cannot, by the way, break that equation. In my view, in my observation of the, first, of the writings of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, that is one of the things that the writer is proposing. Remember that he was writing to a very philosophical mind, people that thought about logic and reason. And so he's using those tools like math, to be, and there's, I mean, there's so much more that I can unpack on that. Like math, to be able to show to the audience the power, majesty of God, and especially with love. So now when Paul is writing, you getting this? When Paul, you getting this? Say yes, because I'll repeat it. You getting this? Okay. So Paul is writing to Timothy under the assumption that my spiritual son knows all this stuff. And he knows if I say that you've got to be able to then also have love, that I'm talking about God. Saying all that then, love has to be defined as embracing, nurturing, and developing the God-likeness in all of us. That's what it is. It's embracing, nurturing, and developing the God-likeness in all of us. We need to be more like God. This is the second vaccination. 1 John 4, 8 says, look at this, to give you some more biblical meat on this one, more traction. 1 John, 1 John 4, 18, in the King James Version, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out what? In fact, in one version it says, all fear. Now, understand, let me teach for a moment. When you, hear, when you read that phrase, perfect, the assumption has to be made that nothing outside of God is perfect. The only thing that is perfect, the only entity that is perfect, the only person that is perfect, the only understanding or source that we can understand in the area of perfection has to be God. I'm going to blow up in a second because this is like blowing my mind. If I blow up, just put me back together again. Be patient. So he's saying here perfect. So when he's alluding to perfect, here John again speaking, he's talking about a perfect love. He, can, he has to be talking about God. So he's saying here, there is no fear in love because there is no fear 
in God. Jehovah Shama. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah J- There's no fear in the attributes of God. There is no fear. He is complete. In fact, God is sovereign. And sovereign means that God is satisfied within himself. He needs no other entity to tell him he is God. In fact, to put it in a vernacular that we baby boomers understand, God doesn't need anybody to tell him that he's bad. God just knows that he's bad because he is God all by himself. I'm sorry. I have to have a hallelujah moment on myself. So when he's saying love, he says you need to get more, and you don't, you don't need more church. You need more God. You don't need another, oh, you know, years ago they gave this course. It was so wonderful. It changed me. It changed you so much that now you're asking it for it again? Think about, think about that. Oh, no, church, when church changes, no, no, God hasn't changed. In fact, one of the concerns that church leaders have right now is that everything regarding church as we understand it, is being deconstructed. Yes. Look at the service. Look at what we're doing. We're not even meeting during the week. What's going on? Because it isn't church. It isn't more programming. It isn't even more money. It really is you will find liberty in your relationship with God. You need to take the second dosage, this second vaccination, and embrace and nurture and develop the God-likeness that is inside of you. He says God has not given us the spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear because fear has torment. Oh, I ran out of time. Fear, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if you're overwhelmed with fear, that means you open a door and it has to be uh, the vacuums in our, in our psyche inside are always filled. It's either filled with good or bad. So you open the door and what got in wasn't God. You let God out. So then what has come in is negativity. Is that spirit that is inside being destructive. And, the, and, the, and uh, negative spirits are always looking to get more real estate in your heart. Do you hear what I said? That's what negative spirits want to do. First you start hating one person, then you hate a whole generation of people, then you hate everybody, then you don't like anybody. You don't even like yourself. Because it starts with a little bit, and then before you know it, everything else is ruined. Leave space in your heart. When you go through a trial or tribulation, don't try to fix it. Get yourself on the altar of brokenness and say, Lord, here I am. I'm angry. I'm upset. I don't know if I can take this anymore. Don't tell anybody. Tell God and let the Holy Spirit come inside of you and take that vaccination inside of you. In order for you to counter the spirit of fear. Let me get to the third one. And you can't take these one at a time. You can't pick and choose here. You have to take all three. So power, the ability to believe in the supernatural and receive it. Power is achieving that that in the natural you would never be able to achieve. Love is embracing, nurturing, and developing the God-likeness in me and in you. And the third and final is sound mind. Interesting phrase, sound mind, rendered in the NIV. But interesting phrase when you go back to original writings. And it really is referring to uh, a renewing of your mind. A renewing. You can't do it. You have controls over your life. And we need to realize that there are things that we can do. You know what happens when you start staring at something too long? You actually become sucked into that environment. If right now I didn't do this because I didn't plan it. But if I would have shown you here palm trees and, and I give it two minutes and then maybe... Reverend Isaac, play some background music to kind of like get us into this Hawaiian move. You'll be sitting here in New York in almost 100 degree weather outside, but your mind will take you into this. 
You can almost taste the virgin piña colada. Virgin piña colada. Isn't it true? Your mind, you can build yourself up or destroy yourself in your mind. Your mind, my mind, we can kill people or lift them up. My mind, I could convince myself I'm going for this interview, but I know they're not going to hire me. I have a horrible track record. In your mind, if you're, a, and I've used this analogy before about professional athletes. When I was a professional athlete and competed in the Olympics, <laughs> none of that, but I've read it, right? They imagine in their mind that the ball's going to go in. It hasn't even left their hand yet. So what you visualize, you will conquer. And if what you visualize is total destruction, your family falling apart, you're getting sick and you're dying, you're going to be in the hospital connected with all these things, if that's what you visualize, sad to say, those things are prophetic. Especially when you throw them in the air. Don't ever tell a child, you're never going to amount to anything. You're prophesying to them. Tell them they're going to be great, awesome. They're going to make their mark in society. Tell them that they're going to be better than you. If you're securing yourself, you want your offsprings to be better than you. But you don't say it because of pride. Ooh, not even one. You stop breathing. Are you breathing? You're okay? We need to see that it's in the mind. And he says you need to have a sound mind. And you know what? Let me just use one verse. Philippians 4.8. There's so many we could use. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue in anything, and any praise, think on those things. Learn to manage your thoughts. You know that old song, if you could read my mind, what a tale my thoughts. It's not a hymn. It's a secular song. In your mind, you fall in love with people you shouldn't. In your mind, you get into activities that you shouldn't be involved in. Come on now. And you and I need to develop strategy, strategy. And I believe it's by taking these three vaccinations, power, love, and a sound mind, that that helps you then to neutralize those influences. Not every impulse is good. Not every impulse is, is a beneficial. You need to be able to tackle that and manage that. And you know the enemy is going to come in at the most inopportune time for you. But you need to be able to address it, nip it, and get it out of your system right away. You say, yeah, but I'm just going to hang out with friends. You know where that leads you. You're not strong enough to handle those friends. Those friends are actually stronger than you. You don't have to look at me right now or say hallelujah, amen. I know I'm talking the truth here. They're going to control you because you've given them permission through the years to control you. And one thing leads to another. And I won't say what that one thing is. One thing leads to another. Before you know it, you're behaving, acting just like them. And you've always say, I'm never going to be like them. Take a picture, take a selfie because you're like them. Nip it. You can't hang out with everyone. You can't entertain every conversation if you want a sound mind. We're living in a, now, a, now, a time now where there's open technology. You can, you can do anything you want to and go to any website and, and whatever. You can research everything. Be careful because junk in, junk out. If I want to be a better father, I better start reading. And you say, yeah, but your, your kids are grown. No, I'm still fathering my sons. And now my daughter's-in-law. 
And I'm a grandfather. If I want to be, I have to make sure that I have wholesome images in, in my mind. And you say, yeah, but all these deadbeat. I am not deadbeat. I'm going to tell you right now, I am not deadbeat. You might know somebody and we might all know somebody, but I ain't them because I'm not going to hang out with them. They might want to hang out with me, but maybe, no, maybe no. Get yourself together. Get somebody else to, hallelujah. You got to make sure that you seek what is good. But it says right there, think about that. Do, I, have you, has, do you know anyone? I know I'm getting, I'm, I went by beyond my time, but I, I believe it's time. It's, this is the moment. You, do you know someone that, not you, but do you know some? not you, not, not you, but you know, not you, not this side of the room, this side of the room, where their, their thinking process has gone way off, and they keep repeating over, not you, not you, not this side, this side. They keep repeating the same destructive scenario. You, and you say, Pastor, but how I do it, you, it's based on your temperament, based on how you nurture God inside of you, that'll click the switch where you know you can't be going that way. You know, there, there was a whole big thing about not going to the movies. I believe some people can't go to the beach. Something wrong with the beach? Nothing wrong with the beach. God created beaches. It's not the beach, it's the cabeza. That you see things that aren't there, you see things that impulse you, you've got to nip it right away. There's some programming you can't see, books you can't read, websites you can't visit to because before you know it, it's going to take you down this destructive force and then fear is going to come. You know why? Because the opening for fear becomes this feeling of guilt. I went there, I shouldn't have gone there, now I feel so bad. I'm a horrible person. God doesn't love me. Nobody really loves me. God's not going to be able to forgive me. And it becomes this snowballing effect inside of us and before you know it, you have disqualified yourself before the... You got that? Can I, can I be really honest with you? I've been honest, but I mean, really, I don't want to be brutal here. But in the future, people are going to hurt you. You're going to meet individuals that are going to promise you the sky, and they're going to people are people. You can't let the rest of your life be defined by that last incident. You've got to have it in your mind, spend a few days, get your head done, take a shower, pray, go before the altar of brokenness. You're too valuable to God to be carrying somebody else's baggage. Who am I speaking to here prophetically? You know, people, everybody has baggage. You have your own. You don't need that kind of toxic stuff dragging. And then you know what happens? It's dragging. It doesn't even have wheels that makes it easy to pull the cart. It's dragging it. You have to contort yourself. You're worth more to God than that. Don't define yourself. That's a sound mind. It's going to go in your head. Get it out as quickly as possible. Start flushing it out of your, out of your system. Do something different. You know, I, I, I was telling one of the pastors this, this week, I, I was a fan of the dog whisperer, Right? I think I learned so much about people in the dog whisperer. I learned about myself. And one of the things that was in Cesar Millan, one of the things he used to do when a dog was going crazy. Now, people don't go crazy like that. But the dog was going crazy. You ever notice Cesar Millan would do this? He would, in fact, he got a lot of flack because some people say he was being cruel to the animals. No, what he was doing is, that, and he explains it, he was getting that, that animal to think differently, to stop, short-circuit that inclination toward violence 
and get it back to the moment, you need to get back to the moment. You need to have the Holy Spirit maybe even kick you. To just get you woke. Get, do some dog whisper on you. Amen? Because oftentimes we stay stuck on that and we play it over. And we play it over. And we play it over. Then we go and we get ready to go to bed and we open up our, and all of a sudden there we see a card from whatever or we see an email that you should have erased a long time ago. There's a photo you should have just destroyed. But over and over. I mean, to tell you, you need, stop it. Stop it. Because it's going to lead to depression. And your life is greater than that last incident. You have more value before God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me close this. Three vaccinations, you have to take them. All three. Power, love, sound mind. Three vaccinations, say with me. Power, love, sound mind. One more time. Power, love, sound mind. And I'll finish off with this verse from the book of Romans. Paul writing there as well. Verse 6 of chapter 7. And then I'm going to ask you to stand and we'll pray together. Look at what he says in his wise counsel. But now... By dying to what once bound us, we have been released so that we may serve in the new ways of the Spirit and not in the old ways of the written code. You have to let the past die. Don't be bound by that anymore. Let go of those fears. And then serve in a new way. Look again. Serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the old ways of the written code. Let's stand throughout the sanctuary as I lead you in a moment of prayer. I want you to lift up your hands. And everybody in the house, just close your eyes. Lift up your hands, palms facing up. Even those watching over, us, watching over the internet. I want to pray a prayer of deliverance today over your life. You have felt yourself stifled. You have felt like your future has been bound and it is unachievable. You've made every excuse because they, those, him, her, whatever it is, you can manage and conquer that fear today. Power, love, sound mind. I want to whisper in your ear, and I know you're listening, and I know this is the Holy Spirit. Listen to what God is telling you right now. You need to know I love you. You need to know what happens doesn't define you. You need to know you are valuable. You need to know you have a promising Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of fear. By the authority of this pulpit, the call over my life, I break the stronghold of the spirit of fear. I bind, rebuke, break, cast out from that young woman, that young man, that adult that is here, that person listening to me right now, 
Today, we dig a grave and we throw in that grave fear. Satan, you are a liar. Powers of darkness, how dare you come against the child of the king? I confront you by the authority of the name of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, and the Holy Scripture. And I not only confront you, but right now I destroy your influence. By the authority vested in me, Lord, by the call of God over my life, in protecting this congregation, Right now, Lord, I know I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. But I also know that greater is he in me. So in Jesus' name, I tear the mask. I break the chains that bind in Jesus' name. But Father, I also know through Scripture that we can't just confront powers of darkness because they flee now. But a void is left inside of people's hearts, minds, and in their psyche right now. And very easily another demonic force and power of darkness could come in. So Father, we sweep and clean the house right now. We bury the negative power. But now lift up your hands, church. Those that are watching me. Right now, pour your Holy Spirit as you minister strength to our Lord Jesus Christ. As he conquered after the battle of the wilderness. Right now, your children, Lord, are left with a void in their hearts, in their minds. Power of the Holy Spirit, fill it right now. In the name of Jesus, fill power, Lord. Uh, fill it with power, Lord, right now. And authority, a sound mind in Jesus' name. Lord, heal those scars that remain. Heal those scars that remain. Let the old die. Let the new begin. Release your children, Lord, into service. And a new way of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And let the written code be a thing of the past. And certainly not of the now and of the future. Come on, if that is you, lift up your hands and praise the Lord. I declare it. I decree it. I pronounce it publicly from this pulpit. In the name that is above all name. By the costly sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary for our redemption. We are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We are conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ. And fear will not dominate in our lives anymore because we have conquered it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, praise the Lord with me for a moment. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. He's worthy of glory, worthy of honor, worthy of glory, worthy of